Housing Studios. On this episode of Low Culture, the journey you took us on was was fascinating. Boy story. Shut up for this section of the podcast. I'm sure I'm sure Daniel was a, a great kid. Messing around and and pushing each other and and being alive. Yeah, look at me. I'm a, I'm a dude. We're going to have to break some rules. I'll get the screwdriver and this hammer and I'll see what I can do. Episode 4, Toy Story. Welcome to episode 4 of Low Culture. Today's episode is about Toy Story. I'm quite excited to talk about because just a great movie just generally. As always, we have with us Jester, Daniel and Kim. Thanks so much for joining me for episode 4. So before we get into it, I'd like to do the Wikipedia entry to Toy Story. Toy Story is a 1995 American computer animated comedy film produced by Pixar Animation Studios and released by Walt Disney Pictures. The first installment in the Toy Story franchise, it was the first entirely computer animated feature film as well as the first feature film from Pixar. The film was directed by John Lasseter in his feature directorial debut and written by Joss Whedon, Andrew Stanton, Joel Cohen and Alex Sokolow from a story by Lasseter, Stanton, Pete Docter and John Ranft. The film features music by Randy Newman and was produced by Bonnie Arnold and okay okay. An executive produced by Steve Jobs. The film features the voices of Tom Hanks, Tim Allen, Don Rickles, Wallace Shawn, John Ratzenberger, Jim Varney, Annie Potts, Arlie Ernie, Arlie Ermie. Sorry, John Morris, Laurie Metcalf, and Eric Von Detten. Taking place in a world where anthropomorphic toys come to life when humans are not present, the plot focuses on the relationship between an old-fashioned pull-string cowboy doll named Woody and an astronaut action figure, Buzz Lightyear, as they evolve from rivals competing for the affections of their owner, Andy Davis, to friends who work together to be reunited with Andy after being separated from him. Toy Story was made on a budget of thirty million dollars. it made 373 million at the box office and was uh, rose holds the rare extinction extinction holds the rare distinction of 100% sorry extinction is episode 1 holds the rare distinction of 100% approval rating on rotten tomatoes and was considered by many to be the be- one of the best animated films ever made. The film received 3 Academy Award nominations including best original screenplay, the first animated film to be nominated for this award. best original song for you've got a friend in me and best original score as well as winning a special achievement academy award so toy story 1995 i think this is probably out of all the movies we discussed in season 1 of low culture the best sure also the most think, animated also the most recent i think all the other movies that uh, we've discussed or uh, and will discuss have all happened pre 1995 i'd like to start off with our usual question do you remember the first time you saw this movie and today i'd like to start with kim i think i watched it on an airplane because i don't remember seeing it in 1995 or uh no 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 this would probably be somewhere this century i've never seen this and i've heard of it and it's got uh you know it's got a cultural impact kind of thing i mean i don't think i thought cultural impact like probably went along the lines of people have seen this movie I should see it too, and then I watched it like uh, like Jester with Home Alone. Was it Home Alone? You watched it on the airplane? No, no, I think it's this it movie. This, it was. It's this movie. No, hey. When you said uh, it was this century, it was like early this century, like in the two thousand. Quite early, because... like probably like the first couple of times. Because I think I was flying back and forth from the UK when I was studying there, so it's probably one of those times. Because those those flights are really long. Yeah, I I watched it like two years ago on my phone screen because I was on a scoot flight to Athens. Wow. I think it was on Netflix at that time, and yeah, I downloaded it, watched it on my phone with Elodie. You shared But... a phone between two people to watch Toy Story. <laughs> 
Yes. <laughs> I think it's easy to assume that the computer animated graphics were not doing justice in my phone screen. Actually, uh, given when this was made, probably your phone screen was better than some of the devices they used to make. Possibly, possibly. I don't know why it took me so long to watch Toy Story. I I, th- I think through osmosis, through cultural osmosis, I knew most of the things that was happening in the movie. Like I knew like to infinity and beyond. But in Greek, Sto apiro, chakoma parapera. Apiro is infinity. Beyond is akoma parapera. It's a bit of a more descriptive way to say beyond. We don't have one word for beyond. But but then can I ask then what do you remember why you decided to watch this movie out of all the movies you could have watched on Netflix what was any particular reason why you decided to watch this movie and then share the phone screen with with Elodie on a very long flight to Athens Elodie is notoriously bad at films generally she hasn't if if there's a very big film like all the films that we discussed in season 1 she had not seen any films even like block big blockbuster films of like early 2000s she just has not seen them so we had we made a we have a list on our we shared a list on like phones with movies that she hasn't seen or i have not seen and we need quote unquote to watch toy story was like oh you haven't seen toy story well I can't blame you for that because I haven't seen it either. So let's just put it on the list. And I think on our way to Greece, when we were like filing which, which movies to watch, we saw it on Netflix and I was like, yeah, I think it was just because it was available on Netflix at the time. So you're not going by like alph- alphabetical order or... We're actually doing that now. We're actually going through alphabetical order of movies because like every time we try, oh, let's watch a movie tonight. We're going through year. Like, oh, what good movies came out like in 2019 we missed, in 2020 we missed. Mm. But then uh-huh. we kind of, we, we, we reached a point where it was like, uh, maybe there are good movies here, but I have no fucking clue. Uh, so now we went to the opposite side. I was like, okay, let's go alphabetical order and watch movies we haven't seen or we wouldn't usually see just because... Well, we are at B now, so we have to watch... What did we watch for B? I don't remember. Boy Story. <laughs> Boy Story. <laughs> Being John Malkovich. We watched Being John Malkovich. Well, thank you for... That's a very... I really enjoyed that story, even even though you haven't really seen this movie in your childhood. But still, yeah. I think the story you took us on, the journey you took us on was was fascinating. And I appreciate... And all I, the way to Greece? Yes, yeah. All, all the way to Greece and back. Yeah, yeah. I saw this movie in an actual movie theater, which is very rare. Growing up, I would very rarely go to the movie theater. So I remember seeing this movie with my grandfather. When I saw it, so probably around 95, 96. He passed away when I was 12, I think. So it must have been when it was just released. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure Daniel was a, a great kid. I'm sure he was. But I actually also do not remember when I saw this film. What I do remember is watching A Bug's Life. I don't know why that's the memory that I have in me, which is not this film, I agree. But that movie came out like three years later. And I remember I, I mm-hmm. took a bunch of my friends to the cinema to watch it. And I may have been a little bit older than the target audience of the, of the film. And I think it, you know, when you're like early teens, you're like, yeah, look at me. I'm a, I'm a dude. I'm going to watch dude films. And everyone's like, why are we watching A Bug's Life? I'm like, I want to watch it. That's, why, that's what I remember. But I don't remember when I first saw this. I have memories of cool watching... Story. I have memories of watching all other <laughs> Pixar films, except for this one. I remember when I watched Finding Nemo. I remember when I watched Toy Story 3, you know. But this one, I've just completely disappeared. I don't know why that is. But it's a great movie. I, I don't know why I have no memory of it. I just, I guess 1995, there were, there were other things going on in my life. I, I, I don't quite remember. It's just yeah, never... Memories like that sometimes. Maybe it was repressed. 
What, what did you learn about American culture from this movie, Imran? Because we know you learn most things from movies mm. when it comes to American yeah. culture. Of course, American culture, American movies, American sitcoms, and American songs. Yeah, yeah, that's how I learned about America. I've never been, so I have no idea if it really is the way that I perceive it in my head. <laughs> it or really not. exists. Could, uh, yeah, that's a good question. I've never been. Is it really there? And now for another installment of what I learned about American culture. What I learned was that American kids have a lot of toys. I was mm. like, wow, they have a lot of toys. And they hold on to their toys. Andy has a lot of toys that you wouldn't necessarily think a kid his age would still have. Even like the character of Bo Peep, right? I wouldn't necessarily think someone like Bo Peep would be part of Andy's toy collection, but huh. she is. And they don't fully explain yeah. why that is. Yeah. I don't know if they explained it in the later movies, but I don't remember them explaining it in, in mm. the first movie. Yeah. That was what I learned about American culture. So that's what I learned. It's a good point. Yeah, however, watching it the other day, I, I liked that he had Bo Peep. It's not a, a toy that you, a boy in his age would usually have, but yep. hey, like 1995, like he has Barbie dolls. Yeah, it's not really a Barbie doll. Just a yeah. shepherdess. Yeah. I think for legal reasons, it's not a Barbie doll. That was only in, I think, Toy Story 2. Yeah, no, it's interesting. I, I like. I also kind of wonder whether the toys dictated the story or the story dictated the toys, right? In the beginning of the movie, you have them trying to figure out what the soldier, toy soldier is going downstairs to see what are the gift that he, gifts that he's getting. Sergeant, establish a recon post downstairs. Code red. You know what to do. Yes, sir. Then you have the joke with the Etch-A-Sketch. Hey, yes. Draw. You have the tire, uh, the Tyrannosaurus Rex. Were you scared? Tell me honestly. I'm trying to scare people, so I'm trying to figure out whether I don't know if I haven't seen anything about this. Whether the story dictated the toys, the toys dictated the story. It's a little bit hard okay. to search now, right? Because if you search Bo Peep, it's basically all Toy Story because <laughs> Toy Story is massive, right? It's got hundreds of millions of dollars. It's got so many toy lines. Yeah. So it's really hard to find any pre-1994 evidence that there was a Bo Peep type thing. But I do think that the character of Bo Peep was introduced initially because the Mattel was not willing to give them the rights for Barbie. They didn't want Barbie to, I, I read this somewhere, that they didn't want Barbie to have a character, like a voice, because the whole point of Barbie apparently is that a girl can project or herself onto the doll. So if they make Barbie have a specific voice and a specific character, then she's her own entity and she's not a reflection of the girls who play with her. That's their logic. All of our relationship with Toy Story, well, that's maybe a slightly strong word, but our understanding and our appreciation of the movie has become stronger as we've grown older. Like, I feel I definitely enjoy the movie more now than I probably ever did as a younger kid. That for me is interesting. And I wanted to discuss maybe a little bit of whether that's true for you as well. And why do you think it is or it isn't true for you? Well, I, I would definitely not be able to compare. Okay. You're the <laughs> I did outlier. Not, so I'll just shut up for this section of the podcast. But I have to say, I did, I did enjoy the movie as a 30-year-old, so it's yeah. fine. I mean, in some ways, similarly to, to Jester, I didn't really see it until like the mid-2000s or, or thereabouts. And I think it, I was like, it was okay. I liked it, but it didn't really leave a massive impact. And on rewatching, I guess there were some interesting thoughts that I had, you know, after, you know, just like Woody is a bit of a dick, really. Yes. <laughs> for a long, a long part of the movie. Yes. And, I, I didn't really remember how unsympathetic he was. And like, he, I, he really has to change this fair bit before you. Like, okay, he's, he's got a redemption arc coming along. Mm -hmm. But I didn't notice that at the time. I was just like... Mm. I did read that 
there were so many rewrites from the first script to what we actually saw in the cinema uh what you actually saw in the movie uh woody had actually become a very toxic character and at one point i think tom hanks basically said he's a jerk as he was doing his lines <laughs> so i think when tom hanks said that they were like oh we should probably maybe rewrite this character a little bit and make him Wait, a little bit tom more hanks says it why are you saying that is tom hanks a, a massive jerk so that when he says someone else is a jerk is like saying something i think it's because when tom hanks says things people listen I would assume it's the opposite because Tom Hanks is such a sweetheart of Hollywood. I mean also that's another thing about Tom Hanks's career that he rarely plays jerks. Maybe at this at maybe 1995 or early 90s he wasn't looking to play the jerk character. I think he was just beginning to become the superstar that we know him as and he's like this is not going to do me any favors. Obvious to a lot of people I think that's why they rewrote him and gave him a little bit more sympathetic aura. Daniel I know you really You've said it many times, even the lead up to tonight, that this was the, your the best movie you saw in the entire season. I'd love to learn more about what is it you liked about this movie and why you like it so much. So I don't remember much about why I liked it as a kid, apart from the fact that I went to see it in a movie theater. But then, as an adult, I enjoyed it because there is more than just one story. There is one story for the kids. There are all those things that happen. It's quite funny. The, the toys are talking, etc. There's also a story for grown-ups. And really it's a little bit more complex than just um toys going uh messing around and and pushing each other and and being alive. Yeah, there are a few different ways to read this uh this story and this movie. So I I really enjoyed that. And I think that's what Pixar brought to uh to animated movies at least in the West and and that really made a big difference, yeah. So what was your favorite part of the movie? I think there's a lot of just like small references here and there that you ju- you can only catch if you pay close attention to and I find that satisfying when you do catch them because you don't catch all of them. Definitely I I missed out a lot of them but it's like those video games you know where there are some easter eggs or similarly the all those creations where the artist create something and they're like I don't care if no one sees it it just it makes me laugh and that all that matters and it doesn't take away anything from the story and from the experience but it just it adds a little something if you see it and so that's that's just hilarious I don't remember one in particular but I remember many instances where you're like okay this is what's happening but in the in the background there is also like some small details to look at maybe a poster it might be just like pl- plenty of small things I think one example of that is at the beginning of the movie when Woody is giving a talk or a conference to the toys in the in Andy's room. That better? Great. Everybody hear me? Up on the shelf, can you hear me? Great. And behind him is a shelf of books or boxes or something. And the names on the on the spine of those books, if they are books, are all the short films that Pixar has done. previously which is i just oh, noticed it when okay. i saw it cool. like the other day yeah. because it's uh-huh. like there's tin toy there's old man who goes to the park to play chess i forget the name of that so i think there's some of those short film story titles in the back kim what wh- what is it i guess about toy story that that you enjoyed the most uh, it's a very basic story but it's well told right because i mean at this point in its age the animation is a little bit distracting I I know at the time it was like cutting edge. I think they had to create the tech to make this film which is incredible. But uh right now it just it looks like a a game that was made well in the 90s. <laughs> and with the same amount of like I was like oh that that lighting is weird. Okay. Um some of the movements that I guess Woody makes the initial part is a bit jarring like in terms of just how his face moves and you're like mm-hmm. this is weird but the basic story is there right this guy he's threatened by someone he comes around to uh, they both fall into like terrible you know uh, a terrible situation because of his uh, of his 
silly actions, uh, a lack of impulse control rather. And then he works together to help his friend get back to you know a, a normal situation. Except his friend also undergoes an existential crisis, which he helps drag him out of. And then there's a car chase. There's uh, you know a big bad. There's like a lot of catharsis as well. So a lot of it is great. I, probably the my favorite single moment was when uh, when Sid gets basically frightened into goodness. When uh, his his toys, which he's mutilated beyond all comprehension, basically he's made this house of horrors. Which you know, any of those toys, if you had put it, just taken the same track and put out a horror movie like a violin on it, it would have been like, oh shit, bad things coming, you know. And then he, they get him, which is like, yes, that's a moment of like, oh yeah, this is yeah, that was probably my single favorite moment. It's it, this zombie scene is amazing. Uh, it's just all all the toys rising from the from the playground, etc., and coming to him. It's it's just amazing. Yeah, and that's okay. also a point when uh, Woody has also he prefaced that with one line that was really interesting to me because he said we're going to have to break some rules. I think I know what to do. We're going to have to break a few rules, but if it works, it'll help everybody. So there are rules to how they do things which is unsaid and they all kind of adhere to it without talking about it but they break them and then they get Sid which is just kind of uh, a number of there's quite a number of things that are just kind of mind-blowing even the the baby on the spider legs is so creepy that just image and I think the baby has one eye missing and I was like oh my god why did they think of this this is going to haunt my dreams that and even at the scene where you mentioned that they you know the toy soldiers rise up from out of the mud there's one guy one soldier who has a, a nail through his head and I'm like, oh my God, wh- why is, who designed this? This is, oh, it's so violent, that that visual, right? But it's just so satisfying, I think, at the end when you see Sid just get terrified by the things he's been terrifying and torturing. Oh, Daniel, my life is so boring. I wish I could trust people more. I wish I could let go of failure more. I wish I could have more fun in Singapore. Can you help? Have you tried improv? Improv? What's that? Actually, one thing you could do is listen to Geniuses, Poet and Artist, which is a podcast started by Kim from the Improv Company. And he talks to a broad range of improvisers in the community here. Wow, that sounds like fun. What are some of the things that they discuss on the podcast? Well, they've discussed many different things from improv to why do they like improv to how do they use improv in their life as well as Manchester United. That sounds like an electric combination, Daniel. Thank you, you've changed my life. I really, really, really liked Sid's curiosity and inclination to actually see what else he can do with the toys that he has. The fact that he has like, okay, what I need to think outside of the box. What else I can do with all the old toys that I have or like my sister's old toys. I'll get the screwdriver and this hammer and I'll see what I can do. Obviously, it works as a like house of horrors for the movie, but I really enjoyed that there's like, oh my God, he's a genius. The moment that he got the doll from his sister, removed the head, and put yeah. uh, what the, the pterodactyl. Fuck? The pterodactyl yes. head. Sid, give her back! Sid, Sid! Oh no, we have a 
sick patient here, nurse. Prepare the OR. Stop! <laughs> patient is prepped. No one's ever attempted a double bypass brain transplant before. Now for the tricky part. Players! I don't believe that man's ever been to medical school. Doctor, you've done it! Hannah! Jeannie's all better now. Ah! 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 She's lying! Whatever she says, it's not true! Oh my god, you're, you're, this is great! Yeah, you know, actually, I think Sid, on this viewing, there was a part of me that wanted him to be sympathetic. There, like, he's painted as, there's no part where it really says, oh, we should sympathize the kid. Like Sid, right? Because he's blowing toys up, he's torturing, well, torturing them, right? Mutilating them. But there's a part of him that just seems like he's not particularly well off, or even clean or whatnot. And he's never, you never see him talking to people. It's all kind of hidden. I, do, I don't know if Pixar intended for him to be sympathized with at all. Uh, you know, he, he's kind of awkward. He's got braces. You know, I remember having braces. It was not a fun time. Yeah, and like he's experimenting. He's doing stuff. He's really handy. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right? And just like, oh, what? Uh, if he wasn't painted as a villain, what, uh, what, is he, what is the real Sid like? From a toy's perspective is is scary. But I remember being a child and I probably blew up some toys. <laughs> in a similar fashion i'm not super proud of it but i did de i definitely did it and i also had short hair i probably looked like sid at some point watching it I, at the beginning at least i was like it doesn't seem that bad it just seems like a kid having fun exploding stuff obviously when he comes and like steal the the doll from his sister and then replaces the head i think this goes too far but blowing stuff up I've done the same. I, I hope it's not too bad. I think Sid's character is one of those characters in the film where depending on what age you are, you have a different response to it. Because I think as a kid, your response to that, to Sid's character is he's just a bad dude. But as a parent, I think, or as an adult, you think this is probably a child who has some issues that he's dealing with and this is how he's dealing with it. I, I, I don't know if he like, has problems. I, I feel that it's a problem that is bored with what, how is he supposed to grow up and he's just trying to entertain himself because he's just bored of school. I know I had like one of my best friends in, in school. He was that kid. He found his energy somewhere else not in blowing up toys like he's just bored at how the whole system is around him so i never thought that he had problems i just thought he's just a kid that has too much energy and he's bored what is your favorite yeah. part of this movie yes what did you like the most about the movie since you saw it as as a 30 year old man the small references here and there are always like potato head changing his things and look at them i'm van gogh uh, no i'm picasso hey ham look i'm picasso Things like that, I always, I always like. What I really like is the music. I feel the music adds a very warm feeling to the whole story and while watching. Also, You Got a Friend in Me is a song about friendship. The Greek translation of the song translates to It's You and Me Together. Uh, I miss my friends from Greece. L listening to the song is like, ah, like it's a song that we would listen together when we were like going like on road trips and shit like that. Εγώ 
I definitely agree. I think I didn't realize that there was more than one song in the movie till I paid attention. But You've Got a Friend in Me is the, is the opening credits. Yeah. And it's such a great song. It's such a simple mm-hmm. song. It still works. Like it's, it doesn't sound dated in any way. And I think that's one of the great things about the movie. I did read that I think they had some conflict with Disney because Disney said that their movies are all musicals and this has to be musical as well. And they said, no, we don't want to make it a musical. So then they they came on the compromise that they will have songs that sort of float in and out of the movie that help to explain what's happening a little bit. I think it was a better choice. It'd be weird if Woody and Buzz suddenly burst into song. It's my favorite part about this movie, that it's not a musical. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Can't disagree. Yeah. For me personally, I think I, I, gen- I genuinely liked the relationship between Buzz and Woody because... It was essentially a buddy, a buddy comedy. The 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 film, the way that they, the one's a cowboy, one's a space ranger. Like they're, they're such, they're so different. Right? But it, but it, at the end of it, uh, by the end of the movie, it doesn't seem strange at all that they would be friends. And I think they they dealt with that really well. It didn't seem forced to me when I was watching it. You got a friend in me. You got a friend in me. When the road looks rough ahead. Your miles and miles from your nice warm bed. You just remember what your past said. Boy, you got a friend in me. Yeah, you got a friend in me. But now I'd like to talk a little bit about what we think has aged well and what hasn't aged so well. Well, I talked about the animation already. I think as a gamer, I'm I, when I see an animation like that, I'm like, oh, this game is old. Things have moved on, right? As in terms of animation, for sure. Even Pixar's new movies put this uh, pasture, really. Uh, I wonder if they ever remaster it. I had the same thought about whether they would remaster it, especially for Disney+, Plus, right? Because that's where I saw it the other day. I don't know if they should. I remember watching Toy Story 4, which came out two years ago, again, and the whole story is about, I don't know if you've seen it, but the whole story is about Bo Peep as a character, right? You can see how her face looks looks like a doll, but it's so expressive, right? And the, the, the shine on her face and the way the shadows move and all that. And in this movie, I just, that's the first thing I noticed was Bo Peep in this movie was just a lot simpler as a character because A, she didn't have a lot of screen time just generally. And even the contours of her face and all were very smoothened out. So I feel yeah, like... This, this uncanny valley of things being way too realistic. The same thing with the, the remake of uh, The Lion King that we discussed the other day, right? Yeah, yes. I watched some videos afterwards and it is it is uncanny. It's uh, chilling. <laughs> because it doesn't have to be realistic. It has, mm-hmm. I mean, exactly. there are art styles to it that you can mm-hmm. then have. I guess a remaster could be interesting it also depends on what they what direction they want to take the story is very yeah. basic right mm-hmm. buddy cop uh, discovery existential crisis learning you know this basically like pixar's general theme is it's okay to sometimes not be okay and you see that in so many of their films inside out or the recent ones i think soul something was it just mm-hmm. called soul yeah, yeah. um mm-hmm. there's always this general theme of you know what you don't have to be perfect things won't always go well how you want and that's fine i remember that was around the time that disney films hand-drawn films were basically dying no one was going to watch watch 2D hand-drawn films anymore and Disney said well we have to do something different and they partnered with Pixar on this film. This is one particular story I read in a book called Disney War. If you ever get a chance to read it I encourage you because it's about what happened in Disney under the CEO ship of Michael Eisner. So it starts in the like the mid 80s to early 2000s and there's a scene where they're all standing in some one of one of the 
various theme parks and the Disney parade comes through, right? Roy Disney or one of the executive chairmen are all there and they're looking at the characters and they notice that the only characters in that parade that are from the last 10 years are all Pixar characters. It's none of the Disney characters mm-hmm. and they're like, we need to buy Pixar. That's basically what helped them to make that decision. But Daniel, what do you think has aged well and hasn't aged that well for you? Yeah, yeah I'm going to say something very similar to everyone else. It's it's a good story. We have, we have some older toys are scared that some new toys are coming in and this is very relatable to a certain extent. All the feelings that those toys have are relatable makes a great story it's it's obviously not the most complex story very simple story but it's well told as kim said so that has aged really well and i really enjoyed watching it the graphics definitely are not on par with what we do nowadays but past the first 10 minutes you don't notice it that much anymore you get used to it there are a few moments here and there where you're like oh oh that just looks weird but (laughs) It's not that bad. Yeah, it's not that bad. I think Woody says, I want to say something to you, but there are preschool toys around. Excuse me, I I think the word you're searching for is Space Ranger. The word I'm searching for, I can't say because there's preschool toys present. Yes. (laughs) And I was like, like, hang on. And then for a while, I I missed the next couple of lines because I was just thinking, "What, what what do you want to say? And then at that point, after that, I think he punched the guy or something, but I just got distracted by that. I do have one question I'd like to ask because there were certain plot holes in a sense, not plot holes, but things I want to get your opinion about. Let's point the biggest one. And now it's time for a Daniel rant. When the baby's in the car at the end, during the chase, the angle that the baby's sitting on, based on the, the angle of the mirror of the car, there is no way you can see what's at the back. Or the, or the driver of the car definitely cannot see, has not set his mirror properly. So that's the biggest plot hole for me. That was a Daniel rant. It's another segment. Daniel does his bit about <laughs> things that are not coherent and that we don't care about. <laughs> I think, uh, fair enough, I, I, to be honest, I don't remember that, what I was in that scene. What I picked up was the fact that they were listening to Hakuna Matata in the, in the car. I guess that must have been the, the song at that period, right? But the laws of physics, I, and I agree, probably not the only part of the movie where the laws of physics were bent or broken. One question I did have, though, they never show any male figures in the movie, right? Andy's house also, there's no father, and Sid's house also, there's no father. As far but as that's not a plot hole, right? It's not a plot hole, but it's a question that I wanted to get your your opinion on. Like, because clearly they they show the mothers, or you hear the mother as well, but you don't really hear or see or have any. They don't even refer to the fact that whether there's a father or not in the house. And I I wanted to understand from what you guys took away from that. I just assumed they were divorced and he wasn't part of their lives anymore, or had died. I guess. To be honest, I, I thought exactly that that they were either divorced or the, the guy's dead. But at the same time, now that you're mentioning it, it's like it's 1995. I would have expected movies, Disney, to push a specific patriarchal family unit. I don't know, is there, do you have any background as to if they did that on purpose? I don't know, but a part of me feels the reason was, reasons may have been that the fact that both Woody and Buzz are are portrayed as male toys, I guess, and I guess not to 
remove focus from that? Because even towards the end of the movie, I guess they talk about how the toy's only purpose is to make sure that the kid is happy and when whenever the kid needs them, they're there, right? Almost in a way like a parent or a very caring parent. So I, I don't know if it was their way of just making sure that the focus for all male uh, attention, I guess, was on Buzz and Woody in the film. Like I can understand if it was like one house that didn't have a father, like Andy's house didn't have a father, fair enough. But even in Sid's house, we don't really see a male figure in any way. Uh, but the mother, we do hear the mother. So at this point, are you basically positing that this is a society where uh, once the male has provided um, the seed, uh, it, it is then beheaded so that the the female can then raise the children uh, after having used the male's corpse for sustenance? I did not posit that, just FYI. There was nothing about corpses in my entire spiel. It was just something that I realized yesterday. Because there, I guess there are, it's not like there are no male characters in the whole film. There are a few you hear. One is the pizza delivery guy, I think. And then the, uh, but he's like comes and goes. The, the dog, I suppose. Both the boys, Sid and Andy, are, are male. Yeah, I guess some of the toys are male, uh, male-oriented, I guess. But there's just, there's no father exactly, as such. Exactly, right. Yeah. There's no males above the age of 30. Probably by then, they've been eaten oh. during mating, like a uh, praying right. mantis. Because animation was so difficult at the time, maybe that's why they thought, okay, let's not animate more male characters or more characters in general, especially humans, which are more difficult to animate than toys. Perhaps. perhaps. I had that thought, but I thought it might be a bit prosaic. Oh, Daniel, I have so many questions about science. Do you have any answers for me? Where can I find answers about science? Sorry, I don't have any answers, but I know someone who does. Who's that? Well, that's Lefteris. He has a wonderful podcast called Lefteris Ask Science. What's that about, Daniel? Tell me more. He goes and meets scientists and he asks them questions about why, how, and what is it that they do and why do they love doing what they do and what do they discover that's really focused where can i find out more about this excellent podcast you should simply go to lefterisasks.com and there you will find all the information about this podcast including his past around 20 episodes and you will learn from things like how do bonobos or some other types of chimps i forgot which ones behave in the forest as well as things about black metal, as well as a Japanese scientist telling a very interesting story. <laughs> oh, those are all questions I had this week. Thanks, Daniel. Lefterisasks.com I have a different question. So Buzz Lightyear enters the family of toys and he thinks that he's actually Buzz Lightyear, right? Does Woody feel the same way when he first entered the household? Would he also think that he is a sheriff or he's a cowboy? Well, I mean, dinosaurs are also horribly yes, violent also. creatures of nature and this one's a bit <laughs> yeah. uh, awkward. The very sweet dinosaur. But yeah, give the impression like, that, that he's the only one is the only one who's a bit deluded about what he really is, right? That's the impression because they don't say at any point like, okay, let's teach him or mm oh, okay, let's let's wait until he realizes. It seems that, no, he's, he's the only one who thinks this way. I guess he's, he's portrayed as this character who is very brave, but a little bit stupid. And so he doesn't even know what he is, right? In a way. And just to add on to that, the fact that he, he doesn't know he's a toy till like midway through the movie or whatever, right? How does he know he has to act like a toy in front of Andy? Oh, 
because movie got got the movie almost as big a plot hole as the baby we cannot see in the mirror uh, <laughs> yeah sorry for a second i was like what is he talking about then i was like oh is it a vampire baby is is the sister a vampire i was like oh wait no he was talking about a car just now sorry but the, the baby andy's sister was just not a cute baby i mean can i just say oh my god very scary monster here yeah like there's yeah. zero sympathy with that with that child i don't know even if, if they tr- even tried to make the baby look cute because i don't think they did like they had oh we need a baby let's just make a baby all right good enough let's just get it into the movie god yeah, yeah. and then after that her behavior is basically I think she just she takes potato head and she does in the first five minutes just smashes the shit out of him. You're like, oh my god, is this is this a horror movie? <laughs> is she the big bad, the big undefeatable bad? Uh, because I mean, compared to Sid, even right, Sid is like paragon compared to her. There's nothing redeeming about this baby except that she can see angles that you and I can't. That's, that only adds to the horror angle. <laughs> <laughs> So I want to before we close off I'd like to I'd like to understand who we'd cast in the movie as as each other. I want to start off with with Kim. Who who do you think we would cast Kim as in the movie? Mr. Potato Head? He <laughs> Not, he, not 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 uh, not, a, not a physical resemblance. No, it's I think the no. the personality, right? No. I'm not sure how I feel about this. Actually, I know I, I don't feel good about this at all. Oh, <laughs> he's very artistic number one, sweetening it a bit. A little he's bit, very artistic, but he's also one. a bit of an asshole, right? Like he like so why Woody, is he an asshole? Yes. Uh, he basically assumes the worst about Woody even though Woody has been around and served in community for super long and it's only when the is that there's incontrovertible evidence that Woody is actually trying to help Buzz out that he finally turns around and says, "Oh, okay, let's let's help these guys out." Beyond that, I think he knocks him off the uh, mm-hmm. the truck and the the house, right? And then um, a lot of other things. Like he's 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 sure. a he's like a secondary no not even secondary but maybe like a tertiary antagonist kind of thing like but i was i was thinking more of the earlier stages of mr potato head so he's quite thirsty that. right like at one point when the when the, <laughs> the gifts are being unwrapped he's like ah mrs potato head mrs potato head mrs potato head mrs potato head <laughs> and he gets his wish okay yeah, but yeah sure sure <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> okay so kim you get your chance now who who would we pick for for jester Oh, just a jeez. Uh I, man, I have, I'll go with T-Rex. Yeah, me too. I was thinking the same yeah. thing. I was thinking of T-Rex as well. I think part of that is the perceived height, but also the general kind of like just the general intention of like I want I want to do it right. I want to I want to <laughs> do right by people. Am I, am I am I scary enough? Am I scary enough to be a T-Rex though? I'll try my T-Rex. best. It's, it's more like um, you know, T-Rex is in the created in the shape of a T-Rex, right? So it's a bit like how you have a PhD in acoustics. Who would we pick for for Daniel? I don't know. After he said that he basically was Sid. I would think Daniel is more Woody. The parts of the movie, especially when he's trying to convince Buzz, right? Like he's just super pragmatic about like, look, we have to. This is how it is, and this is what we have to deal with, and let's just get it done. And I feel like Daniel has that kind of personality and aura around him. Like, hey, let's just not get distracted by all the things and our insecurities. Let's just focus on the problem and get it done. Well, there are elements of of Woody's character I could see Daniel imbibing. What about me? In French, they call him zigzag, the the dog. Yeah, I was also thinking thinking about the dog, slinky, slinky, yeah. slinky dog. Yeah, I, was also I think that would work for him, right? Yeah. Well, why the slinky dog? Because <laughs> you're, you're very <laughs> helpful, yeah. very helpful, honest, play, playing uh, yeah. checkers. Yeah. Like you know, he's a good friend to Woody, right? Yeah, he wants yeah. to see yeah. the best in him. I'll take that. I'll take that. And he tries to he tries to save him also, right? On the on the remote control mm-hmm. car to the best of his ability like he extended himself as much as he could in order mm-hmm. to help i'm not sure if i would 
actually do that, but I'm glad you guys think so. I hope I hope that we never get to find out. Me too. <laughs> me too. Me too. Yeah. I have I have uh, two notes from the French the French version of the movie, right? In terms of the voices. So what's interesting is that they pick the same actor for for Woody as the actor that always dubs Tom Hanks in all French movies. So it's exactly the same voice. Mm -hmm. That's not so fun. But what what was more fun is that Buzz's voice is exactly the same voice as the genie in Aladdin. I'm not sure if it's the same in English, but in French, it is the same actor and the voice is so close that many times it was like, weird, it reminds me of someone until I check it up and it was, ah, okay, that's that's the genie from Aladdin, yeah. Oh no, the genie from genie Aladdin. Genie from Aladdin, genie is, is Robin Williams. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> didn't you say that it was the same two or three guys in France every time? Oh no, no, there are everyone. plenty of them. There are plenty of them. I mean, some of them play multiple people. They're, they're, I don't know in this case. For Imran, when you initially said that you don't remember watching Toy Story, but you remember watching Good Bug's Life in the theater. I also remember watching The Bug's Life in the theater with my mom. I, and I did not remember that until you mentioned it. I was like, oh yeah, I have seen this movie in the theater. And I don't think I've ever seen it since. Same. I remember liking it though. Yeah. It, it was nice enough, I guess. I heard Ants, which came out around the same time. It was also an animated movie about, well, Ants. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. It was apparently better, but less well publicized. I can't yeah. remember which one I liked best, but I remember watching both. That was the time when it was like DreamWorks was the new the new studio and they were trying to compete with Disney, right? All of this is in Disney War, by the way, if you get a chance to read it. When Woody meets Buzz in French, he asks, where are you from? Are you from Singapore, Hong Kong? Does he say the same thing in English? So, uh, where are you from? Singapore, Hong Kong? Yes. Yes. Okay, cool. I had a brief moment of like, does Singapore have a toy industry? <laughs> yeah. <DVD> manufacturing? <laughs> yeah. That's exactly the same question I had because I don't remember like Singapore being big for toy production. Obviously, we had lots of toys from Taiwan at the time, but not from Singapore. So very curious about why they picked Singapore. Which is where we see Buzz is actually from at the end, in the middle of the movie, right? He's made in Taiwan. So I'm not quite yes. sure. I'm not quite sure why that was not the question that was asked. Thanks so much, Kim. Thanks, Daniel. Thanks, Jester. Next week is our final episode before the season finale. I'm very, very excited for next week, which is our... That was a convoluted <laughs> way of saying three more. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Two more. Oh, our... Two more. Two See? More? I thought you said there were six. Yeah. Oh, yes. So next <laughs> one is final episode before, before the season finale. finale. Yeah. See? And Belgium, yeah. Episode yeah. two. Improvisers in math. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So next week yeah. is our, what I classified as our wildcard episode because we're going to be talking about Mrs. Doubtfire, the only film that does not have a franchise attached to it in all the movies we've discussed. And then in the last season, we're going to be doing like a retrospective, some honorable mentions, and then a little bit of voting to see who won what. And that's a wrap for episode four. Thank you so much for listening all the way through. Can't believe we're already halfway through the season. Next week, we're going to be talking about Mrs. Doubtfire, but should you want to learn more about this podcast or any other projects that Monocene Studios may be working on, I say may because it's still very early days, please visit monocenestudios.com. Till then, we'll catch you next time for episode 5, Mrs. Doubtfire. Monocene Studios.